find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable. Many people hide a dark side that they feel that if others knew their secrets, it would be detrimental to their relationships. It doesn't need to be that way at all. This is where words can't reach. Shedding light on our dark side with your host, Dr. Madeline DeLittle can help. It's time for a frank and open discussion about the things that are bothering us and say what needs to be said. Dr. DeLittle and her guest experts are here to help you understand and provide advice. Now, here is Dr. Madeline DeLittle. Hello and welcome to Voice America Empowerment Channel. My name is Dr. Madeline DeLittle and you're listening to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side. And my guest today is Sharon Lowishan. Hello, Sharon. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Um, You're going to be talking to us about using the self to heal the wounded parts. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to this uh, show, Sharon, because this is a new territory for me. It's really, really a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. My privilege. My privilege. (laughs) I want to tell the listeners a little bit about you. I'm going to brag about you. Um, You're a psychotherapist, right, first and foremost? Right. Right. For 39 years. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. And and a teacher in marriage and family therapy program. You you were at California State University for Mm -hmm. 19 years. Right. So you you know what you're talking about. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I hope so. <laughs> and you have written some books, one called yes. The Satya Process, right. Systemic Training in the Skills of Virginia Satya, and Enriching Your Relationship with Yourself and Others, yes. as well as other ones on coaching. So you've kind of got f- a foot in therapy and in coaching by the looks yes. of things. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I want, and, and you do online courses too, right, on, on yes. coaching. Yeah, I want to hear more about that later on, but let's start off, let's just dive in here and, um, you know, what's kept you going all this these years and, and why do you do what you do? Well, um, it's because I over and over experienced the power of the person to be able to heal themselves. Mm. And it is, to me, it is absolutely sacred and I get to I get privileged to see this over and over, you know, and I think so few people in the world get to watch transformation happen in front of their eyes. Wow. And I get to see it. And um, uh, I'm very grateful to uh, two of my mentors, Virginia Satir and then Richard Swartz, who truly helped me understand how to help people access the self and heal their parts. So Mm. it's... um, I'm, I am as, I just I write to Dick every once in a while and say thank you thank you thank you for <laughs> <laughs> teaching me because I um, it just watch people change yeah. and and they feel lighter and I feel lighter you know people say to me my God with that kind of heavy work because I work almost primarily with very severely abused adults from, you know from their childhood and so. They say, how can you deal with that? Well, when you're in yourself, you feel light. And Mm. and when I'm in that connection with people, I feel light. Yes, the the horrors they went through are awful, but that's, I come out with energy. (laughs) And that's the sign that you're in the self, really, is that when you've got, you feel light and you have energy. So so you're talking about self. Now, we don't don't have a... 
an organ called self. Right. So how would you describe self to, to, uh, the, to the listeners? It's a, it's a very good question, and it's not not necessarily easy. It's more like when you can see it, but uh, it's, a, it's an energy space. And Dick Source often would say, if there's been enough torture to the body, it literally may be hanging outside of the body, but it's always there. Okay. And it is has never been damaged, mm. and it has some very amazing capacities. It has a capacity for compassion, mm. and when you're dealing with people with deep trauma, the most healing thing of all for them is to become a compassionate witness to the parts that got hurt. So, uh, that's that's one of the key signs. Another key capacity of the self is to be curious and so sometimes we can't be compassionate but we can be curious about something Mm. and there is a higher level of wisdom and perspective that the self you know in in 12 step they talk about the higher self well to me what that means is that when you're in yourself you think broader you see more possibilities uh, where you're in a part, you think black and white, you think all or nothing, uh, uh, and they're extreme. The self is not extreme. The self is wise, it's balanced, and it can heal and create harmony within. Oh my goodness, Sharon. So the self is never hurt. So it's, it may be, it may be, um, Covered up, hidden. Yes, but it's but it's intact. What, what, yeah, totally, this, totally. This part of us that we were born with, or even at conception, was part yes, of us. Absolutely, and I, you know, I would be on any witness stand to say that's the truth because I have worked with people that, from their history, there's no way on earth you could imagine that there is a place inside that has could have possibly have compassion mm. and it does when we find it it does i can feel you're a bit moved even as you're describing yes, it i am <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too i got goosebumps at the thought yeah. of how how precious this is yes and the possibility of that change that the change is possible absolutely absolutely so i am just now um finishing writing a book called choosing your life story and then it's called uh, the underneath it says inspirational stories of transformation from the streets of LA and it's about all the gang interventionists that I've worked with who've all been ex-prisoners and ex-gang members who've transformed their lives now in that situation I came in to work with them after they'd already had their own transformations using their own resources and spiritual resources but I've helped them with teaching them skills to stay on the path because it's one thing to have that transformative experience like I'm going to change my life but then how do you do it you know yeah yeah so you you're working with uh, people who are the intern working with addicts on the streets is that is that what you're doing is that what you're saying um, I, I work with teaching 
gang interventionists, those are people who are ex-gang members in South Central Los Angeles, like the Crips and the Bloods, and ex-prisoners who have transformed their lives and are now working to prevent and intervene with gang violence. Oh, with gang violence. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they and you come. They come to you and feel whole again. They get in touch with this. This what your your the self. They get in touch with this, mm-hmm. and then they are able to um, help others find that. Right. Well, so let's let's get into the meat and potatoes of this. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you're talking about parts. Yeah, the, you know the self and the parts. So I, I want to know all about this. How how do we go okay. about this? Okay. Well, everybody really understands parts because they use it in all everyday language. So a part of me wants to quit my job, and a part of me thinks I shouldn't. Right? Yes. It's just the way we think. Yes. But, but um, as Richard Schwartz writes in his book Internal Family Systems, Virginia Satir was the first person to put together the understanding that parts relate to each other internally in a systematic way, just like family members do with their roles in an outside family. And so when I read that, because I was a student of Virginia Satir's, I contacted Dick and started studying with him because I really, really wanted to understand that. And What he did was he conceptualized that we have three different types of parts. We have managers. And managers are the parts of us that try to keep us in control and functioning. So we certainly need them. Okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, But they can get out of balance. Um, so let's let's look at some examples. Let's, everybody needs a critic, okay? You need to be able to discern: is that a dog or a bear? Is there some this person dangerous, or are they trustworthy? But if that gets extreme, that becomes someone who is constantly blaming someone else or themselves. That, okay. So another kind of a uh, manager part can be a denier part. Everybody needs to be able to deny or you'd never get on the expressway. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you are denying yourself an addiction or you're denying that you're having heart pains, it can be, uh, you know, a serious self-destructive process. Um, Everybody has a striver inside. I mean, little kids strive real hard to learn how to walk and talk. So it's, we need that manager. But again, if it gets extreme, it, uh, be, you be, may become a workaholic. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody needs a part inside that can care for others. But if it becomes extreme, it could go into codependency. Everybody needs a part inside that's developed responsibility. Again, if it gets extreme, it could be rigid. So... They give you a picture of what managers look like. That's just managers. That's just, just managers. Of us. Yes. They're okay. Trying to, keep, they're just... trying to keep us functioning. Now, what they, well, the reason they're called managers is not only because they're trying to manage and cope in our lives, they're trying to manage 
and keep out of our consciousness all of the pain and shame that may have occurred when we were children. And so Dick calls those exiles. So that's a diff- that's the second category? Yes, the second category. Oh, okay. Okay. And these are the, the, the young parts of us that carry our pain. Zen, and, and carry our burdens of beliefs about ourselves and others mm-hmm. in the world. I'm not good enough. I'm defective. I'm stupid. Okay. Then, nice. those, those parts have such intense pain that the, the psyche can't handle it. So the managers are trying to keep them out of awareness, and they are oppressed. Uh, as Dick would say, oppression doesn't work on the inside or the outside. So eventually, they start creating enough psychic tension that the third group of parts comes along that he calls firefighters. And firefighters be- can be addictions. It can be you know, compulsions, numbing, dissociation, whatever you, the, the mind has had to do to try to, to keep away from that, the pain of the original traumas. So let me just summarize. You've got managers, you've got exiles, and you've got firefighters. Mm-hmm. And the exiles are really are, are, are shut down, are hidden. They're sort mm-hmm. of cut as in being exiled. Mm-hmm. And the firefighters... I'm not sure the difference between firefighter and manager. Can you just just yeah. clarify oh, very again? Good. I forgot to say that. Thank you. Firefighters are reactive. They're impulsive. Ah. Managers are trying to keep you in control, so they're usually you know much more thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> and it can be tricky to try to discern for yourself and for others whether you're talking to a manager part or you're talking to the self. Mm. Yeah. And you're saying that all our listeners will have these parts. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Now, the firefighter could be healthy if it's not extreme, which means that you say, I'm overwhelmed today. I'm going to go down to the beach and chill out. Or I'm going to distract myself with a movie. You know, it's you're trying to put out some little level of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problem with the system is when it's extreme. When there's extreme pain that's being held back, and is, and so the form comes in from the addiction. Did you happen to see the movie Rocket Man? No. Tell me. Okay. You know it's the history of uh, uh, Elton John. Oh, uh, I know. I now now I know the name. So tell me, what do you what okay. is that? Okay. Well. This movie is pretty miraculous. I, they had to have had therapists from, you know, consulting with him, with them, because it shows his childhood of having an extremely detached father and harsh and a semi-detached mother. There was, thank God, a loving grandmother. But that was the only attachment he had. And it shows him then getting into, you know, all kinds of addictions and all dealing with all the pain. There's a scene in which he, as an adult, 
he's he's in his addictions, but he still is longing so much to have love from his father. His father has remarried and has two children, and he goes to the house, and father opens the door and interacts with him just a little bit, and you could see that the father now has two young sons, and he's just cold, you know, yeah. and. Elton John goes out into the limo, was waiting for him, and starts weeping. You know, as and the father, the little boys have come out with the father. The father lifts up one of the little boys and is holding him lovingly. Elton, Elton's heart is just broken, and he can't stand it. He gets out of the car and starts running. He's supposed to be giving a, a show somewhere, and he just can't stand the pain. You know, so you can just, you could just, it's see how that happened. Mm. And so what parts of Elton John were coming out at that point? Well, this was a well, the fire, firefighters. Fire, 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 firefighters. I firefighters. Firefighters. I can't right. stand the fire of this pain, you know. Right. And the pain was in the exiles, was yes. it? Yes. All of the detachment that he'd experienced, he was longing for that attachment from an approval from his father that he never got. He goes back as an adult, tries to get it, and gets, you know, I love these little boys, I don't love you. Right. And it was a double whammy. Uh, yeah, it's so so obvious, so tangible to him. Yeah. And, it, and it's, you, you know, we hear the things where you should just get over it, you know. That, right. <laughs> you know, just uh, figure it out, or what's, yes. what's your f- problem? You've got, you know... But it does. It seems like it. It's uh, It lingers. This this pain doesn't go away. It sort of it doesn't go away. No, no, it does not go away. In fact, it's managers that say just get over it. it so, sorry. The manager part would say just get over it. To yourself or to someone else. So the self would never say that. The self has compassion for what you're experiencing, but the manager says, "Come on, get over it." In fact, that's one of my pictures of addiction in general, is the uh, exile is feeling so much pain. They act out in an addiction way. The manager says, God, there you go again, drinking again. Just stop. Get over it, you know. That was your childhood. Just get over it. Guess what happens? The child part that's not been acknowledged or healed even feels worse, more shame, Mm. drives the firefighter into more intense need to be reactive. Mm. And so I think when Bill W., who started the 12-step program, said it's not about willpower, it's about a spiritual level of healing, that that's what he'd figured out. He had very different words than, than the internal family systems, but that he had figured out that if you have a manager who says, get over it, grow up, whatever, all those willful things, it will not work. And then you feel worse and worse about yourself, and then you're going to want to, you know, do whatever the addiction, abuse, whatever the alcoholic chemical is to get to numb out. So it has this vicious cycle of shame and and it keeps going. Exactly. Okay, so... The $50 billion question then is, um, how, how do you help people access this this part of them that is still intact, is still beautiful, uh-huh. is still compassionate, uh-huh. and yet you've got this 
cacophony of parts <laughs> doing mm-hmm. this. I'm not even mm-hmm. saying a dance. It's it feels like they're fighting. It's like this internal totally. war going on. Totally, totally. That's why people feel heavy and depressed. Literally, it's like internal war. Yes. Yeah, it feels so. You, you, it's almost um, paralyzing because it's just oh, yes. you know sort of all these conversations going yes. on yes. and battling. Yes. 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 Yeah. So how do you go about helping people then clear away? All these uh, these these negative conversations, if you like, these parts, and and uh, so that they can access this this beautiful part of them. Okay. Well, I was thinking about that question and thinking about um, somebody recently I was working with, and um, she said to me, "You know, people tell me they've always told me, oh, you're too nice." You're overly nice. Okay, now I always have my detective hat on, listening for parts, because that's the way you get into the self, is by listening for the parts. The minute she said that, too nice, that means it's extreme. The self wouldn't be too nice. The self would be appropriately nice, in balance, right? So, okay. So I say to her something like, so you have a part? So I start using the language. So you have a part of you that has protected you in some way by being overly nice. She immediately says, oh yes, oh Oh, my God. You know, if I wasn't nice, I didn't get anything from my mother. You know, uh, I mean, I I just, and and I feel the same way about, you know, my husband now, and um, I just not, uh, I have to be overly nice. I have to be overly nice. Okay, so I just say, wow, that's, that's a strong, strong uh, message you're giving. I sit for a minute, and then she says, but you know what? I also have people who tell me I'm mean. <laughs> and I went, oh, so you have another part, which completely makes sense if you're thinking about systems, right? Because the system is always trying to balance one way or the other, mm-hmm. inside or outside. A sort of a yin and yang. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So she said, yes, I do. I have two parts. So now I know that's where the rub is, right? That's where the internal conflict is. Okay. So now I know, okay, now we need to work on accessing herself, because herself will do the healing, not me. So... Um, I just ask her if she would uh, close her eyes and imagine that she was up somewhere higher and she was having images of these two parts of herself. Okay, and she came up with some images that symbolized them. And then I said, uh, and this is the key question that Dick Schwartz figured out in terms of finding the self. How do you feel toward your parts? or the part, whichever. If they say compassion or curiosity, you know you found the self. If they say, I can't stand it, then you know you found another part. So in this case, she says, oh, God, I feel so (laughs) badly for them. Both of them have suffered in different ways. I can see it now. Seeing, that's the self, right? uh, The self is seeing it. Uh Uh-huh. 
and with wisdom. I said, oh, really? So now you know you've got the self. Now you're going to invite the self for the healing. What do you think, what does your self think needs to happen to help these two parts in healing and having greater harmony? She sits for a while, and then she says to me, just excuse me, goosebumps, they need to be friends. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. Sit for a while, and she said, oh, now they're holding hands, walking. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And the last piece, Madeline, this just blew me away. She says, they need to cross-train. Cross-train? <laughs> <laughs> they need to teach each other. Oh. I, I'm just... I'm just sitting there going, oh, my God, my God. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, so. how beautiful. You know? <laughs> so, golly. So that's how you do it. You have that you get your sort of externalizing through imagination. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent. Um, that's what I do. That's what exactly. I know, of course. In, yes. In, Sanctuary therapy, yes. and you're externalizing them and getting them to have conversations with each other, yes, and bringing in that compassionate part to sort of oversee it. Exactly. Is that something we, we, we've only got a minute or so to go to break, but is that something that the listeners could could do on their own, or do they have to? Yes, that, yes. Um, one of the ways that I people say, you know. I I hate this part of me that speaks up at the wrong time or whatever it is. Yeah. And I'll say, well, could you imagine having compassion for it? And I'll say, no way. No way. So then I might say something like, well, have you ever felt compassion for someone else who was suffering or an animal that was suffering? If you cover both of those, I've never had anybody not, you know, said Mm -hmm. no to both of them. One or the other. Oh, yeah, I great compassion for my dog when she was dying. Okay, so go there in that feeling and then see if you can transfer that feeling into the part of you that somehow speaks up at times compulsively that you wish it wouldn't. And see if you can bring those two together and begin to have understanding and curiosity to get to know that part. How did that happen that it needs to call it attention to itself or whatever it is so you're bringing in this because self-compassion is the toughest I think for a lot of people it's totally the toughest give to all sorts of other people at work at home in the community but actually looking after Uh -uh. that that vulnerable part of us that's been hidden is really tough really tough okay so let's um Let's go to break, and when we get back, we're going to talk more about how to how to bring these parts together, Sharon, and and how how um, how this healing can take place. And if you can give us some more examples, that would be fantastic for the listeners. Okay. So, be right back after the break. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. If you want to know more about how to work with children and adults to transform shame, depression, loss, and anxiety, order Dr. DeLittle's book, Where Words Can't Reach, Neuroscience and the Satire Model in the Sand Tray. The book is available online from Dr. DeLittle's website, wherewordscannotreach.com. Dr. DeLittle also conducts workshops and can come to your workplace or organization. If you wish to have Dr. DeLittle come and do a two-day workshop on an introduction to neuroscience and satire in the sand tray, please contact her at mdelittle at gmail.com. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. are tuned into where words can't reach shedding light on our dark side we'd love to hear from you with any stories suggestions or questions by sending an email to m at gmail.com here again is dr madeline delittle welcome back to where words can't reach shedding light on our dark side my guest today is Sharon Lotion, and she's talking to us all about how we have these different parts of us that are, are in conflict and how we can uh, transform those parts in order to feel um, a sense of freedom. Welcome back, Sharon. Thank you. Thank you. So we were, we were getting into some wonderful examples of uh, some folks that you've worked with mm-hmm. about some sort of, so that the listener can really grab that sense that uh, how they can look at their parts to begin with and mm-hmm. then even sort of find that compassion mm-hmm. that you describe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, on a break I was thinking about other people and of course I will not give names and anything that would identify them, but um, I was thinking about a man that I worked with who was extremely successful in his profession um, and who felt stupid. Mm. And I don't think that's uncommon, actually. <laughs> you know, when that child part hasn't been healed, uh, it doesn't matter what the outside world sees. Mm. Inside, you feel stupid. And so um, he was courageous enough to be willing to say that he would um, take a look at that. So, because somehow it had come up that he was feeling inadequate, didn't belong, 
you know, anywhere, stupid, uncomfortable people. And so I just said to him, so is it okay if we get to know something about that part and try to understand how he concluded that? He said, okay. So just invited him to think about that feeling of being stupid and where did he feel it in his body? You know, and he pointed to his stomach. Okay. And so then just ask him to take his full attention to his stomach and say hello to the part because it's <laughs> in the body. The body keeps score. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Mm. So it's in the body. It's held in the body. And to say, you know, can you show me more of who you are, what you've experienced, what you're feeling, any images? And some people will only say, I can only have, I only have thought. That's fine. But many people have images. And in his case, he went to uh, an image of um, being uh, chastised by his father at age eight. And by the way, I experienced more people come to age eight. I don't know what there is about age eight, but there's, do you experience that? Yeah, eight's a, it's, yeah, grade three. It's a very, something happens in the brain. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's one of those peaks of the brain, actually. Okay. One of those, well, no, yeah. So, um, now we've, we found a little boy and he's experiencing, seeing the scene of once again being, you know, chastised and being told he's stupid. And so then I know I'm, I've got to find the self to help the little boy, right? So I say, how do you feel toward him? And he first says, uh, I don't like him. He causes me a lot of pain. Oh. I said, yeah, I can understand that. And um, would you be willing to ask that part to step aside just temporarily? That part can keep watching. And if it needs to come back, it can. But if it would be willing to step aside for just a moment. And uh, he says, okay. And so then I say, would you look at the part again and tell me how you feel about it now? And he says, oh, I feel really, really, really bad for him. Mm. I said, oh, okay. So now I know I've got the self. Mm. Now... That self contains, that part, I mean, sorry, contains the burden of feeling stupid mm. because the parts are, are global. They generalize. I am stupid. It's not I have a part of me. I am stupid. Mm. So now that we know that that's the burden that this little boy has concluded, taken in. So one of the ways to help him is to help him get some kind of right brain activity going by saying something like what would symbolize that burden <laughs> and almost always Madeline is something that's big and heavy mm-hmm. rocks, boulders, bricks in his case it was an anvil oh as in 
Hi, and a blacksmith kind of, anvil. Yeah, right. a blacksmith anvil on him, just boom. Yeah, heavy. And then I ask for healing wisdom from inside to transform that symbol in something to something that would be a positive energy for his wholeness and healing. And eventually, the anvil melted. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it took time. Uh, just sitting with him, just letting the healing take, and, and the, 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 it, it melted. Okay. Sometimes there's rainbows that come. There's all different ways that that transformation will come. But uh, then, you can, you can say... Is there anything else that the little boy needs? You know, now that this has been lifted, yeah, he needs to be with me. Mm. Oh, okay. So let that happen, however you're going to happen, however it's going to happen. And he says, I'm hugging him. I said, okay. Oh, Sharon. Oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) So the grown-up man is hugging Yes. The part of him yes. that is, yes. was shamed into feeling not good enough, not worthy. And yes. it's, it's what happens then, somehow that, that part gets transformed. and Yes, that energy is now freed up, integrated in. And the, and the way you know is that the person has more energy. They're not depressed. They've got energy. Oh, you know that thing I was working on that I didn't finish in the garage I'm doing that now oh really you know you know it's just like it comes back and mm. the powerful that movie of Rocket Man is they show Elton John integrating with his child part at the end of the movie oh oh this is amazing oh. wow holding him in his imagery and right. at the same time then going through a process of kind of releasing his resentment towards his parents. All of that came from the healing that he went through. Mm. That's that's beautiful work. And and as you know, I do sanitary therapy, and I do something similar with children. So it's really so. Even children have a child part. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so again around interestingly eight years old. Younger than that, younger than that, I can't access it. But I can say, can you show me using these figurines uh, all the parts of you, all your parts? So it's, it's slightly different from what you're you're yeah, telling yeah. me today. I don't I don't name them, but I, they 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 come out. They, they, you know, sure, as sure. The manager, the the exile, and the fire yeah, yeah, come yeah. out in different ways. Yeah. Um, and then I delicately ask them about their. Uh, is there a part of you that you don't like? Yes. So, because you know, these are these are children, so we can't talk about the stuff that, you know, their their temper tantrums or their wetting the bed or you know. Right. So I want to tell the listeners that that this is this is also if you have a conversation with children, their own children, Uh about the parts, they could even have that kind of conversation with their uh, you know teachers or whoever about. Oh yes. Seems like you've got there's two battle there's a battle going on inside Mm -hmm. of you. Mm -hmm. And like absolutely, you don't even need a sand tree with figurines. Just can you describe those parts? Yes. Use, Use your imagination. 
You get it immediately. Yep. Infinite possibilities. The angry part, the sad part. You know that movie, um, do you see that movie in, that's, what's it called? Inside Out? Yes, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Yeah. Yes, it's the, the same. The, I, I assumed that they had consulted with Dick Swartz to do it, and they didn't, but it's all about parts. Yes. Yeah, I must, I must tap into that one. Can you go back to um, these people that you are working with and your book is about? I'm very interested in their journey of healing because they were, they must have come from a very painful past. Yes. And yet they were willing and able to transform those parts that were were really but stuck. I need to be very clear. I was not, I did not do therapy with them. They had all transformed their lives. Mm. And then I read about what they were doing in the paper and offered to come in and add to their, you know, skill set. Okay. And they accepted it. Uh but their transformations are just fascinating, okay? For example, the first story in the book is by Lewis, is from Lewis. I sat down with 17 different people that I've worked with and took their stories. Mm. And um, Lewis um, went into prison when he was 16 for a gang-related killing. He didn't do the killing, but he provided the gun and uh, he had been in about 20 years when an earthquake happened. Mm. And he said the earthquake, they went into lockdown. So for hours, he's on the, he's on the bottom bunk in his cell, and he's looking up, and all he can see is the bunk above him. And I would now say the self or the spirit, whatever, said to him, Lewis, if you don't change your ways, you're going to be doing this the entire rest of your life. By that time, he was like late 30s. So he said, okay, I got to do something. So he said, uh, he decided to meditate. And the only place for him that he could do that was in the corner of the socialization area for the guys. And he said he got great grief. But, you know, who do you think you are, blah, blah, blah. But he had felt that shift inside, and he just stayed with it. And he said one day, <clears throat> a message came, and it said, Okay, God, if you will help me get out of here... I will go back and try to help restore the community that I helped destroy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So are we, are we using God in a different way in terms of self? I, you, you're sort I of just quote, quote them, you know. Okay. I, and, um, whatever their... Whatever terminology they say to me, that's what I use. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, there's so many words. Self, higher self. Spirit, essence, uh, soul, mm-hmm. I am, all, I think, trying to capture mm-hmm. the mystery of each human being, their uniqueness, and at the same time, the capacity of the spirit to transcend the, I want to say transcend the brain, right? To transcend the managers, to 
be wise, be compassionate at a higher level. And maybe if you believe it, that wisdom and compassion is the universal level. Mm -hmm. Some people would call God. Some people would call spirit of life, spirit of love. So it's like that, a connection to something higher. Yes. And yes. deeper. Yes. Oh, you know what? There's one thing that I, I forgot. We were talking about the definition of self, mm. and that is flow. Yeah. When people are in self, they're flowing, you know. It's because internally they're aligned. All their parts are happy with each other. And then that flow can come, and then you perceive that. And that's, you know, the energy that you can perceive from somebody is that, the, oh, I liked being with that person. Well, it was probably because they were in flow or they were. Yeah. And, you, and it seems from your description is it feels like when all those parts are hugging each other, are talking to each other, Mm -hmm. that they are they are no longer separated they're connected yes everything everything is working uh, and then there's a balance going on from your description that yeah. so that allows for neural pathways to right. an energy energy to literally because we are all just energy basically right uh, <laughs> <laughs> one form or another to to, yes. to to move all around and as uh Certainly Dan Siegel would say there's a, a flow of energy in information within us, between yes. us, and they're all around. And, yes. And Virginia Satir said something similar. Yes, what, when she's yeah. talked about congruence, she said that part of a big piece of it is a free flow of energy within and between. Mm-hmm. So you, you did you study with Virginia Satir, Sharon? Yes, I did. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. so can you just... Briefly let the listeners know about this amazing woman and your experience of learning from her. Yeah. Well, um, I read her book, Conjoint Family Therapy, when I was in graduate school and used it to help me. And then uh, 10 years later, saw that she was doing a workshop that I went to. It was four days. And in those four days, I learned more than I had in my entire graduate program because it was all experiential, you know. Um, and I was wowed, and I got all the tapes and listened and listened, but I didn't reconnect with her for about 10 years, and then I saw she was doing a workshop at uh, UCLA, and I went, and she announced that she did month-long trainings in the Mount Rocky Mountains, and that her belief was that the most important instrument any help person in a helping relationship has is themselves. So you got to work on yourselves. So I asked my husband if he'd help take care of our son and I would go away for a month <laughs> and God bless him he was and it was the hardest month of my entire life it was like therapy around the clock for a month uh, and I swore when I was coming down the mountain I'll never do that again I just survived thank God four months later I'd signed up for the next summer <laughs> because my clients would say like something is different and I went oh really Mm -hmm. You know, it's not this concrete kind of thing. It's not a, it's like we're going to plan to change your behavior. It's just the energy. Like you say, it's all about energy. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you, you, so she's with you. She's also inside you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she was, it sound, she was ahead of her time in so many ways, wasn't she, in terms oh, of psychotherapy? Yeah. Yes, well, you know, in this big field now of positive psychology, well, they, 
my goodness, that's what she started when she said, let's look at potential, not pathology. Mm. Let's help people um, access all those resources that they were born with. And the pathology will fade away. It's We need to help increase this, not focus on what's sick. Let's focus on what are the... The, the positives, the resources this person has. That, and that's interesting because you haven't actually used any um, medical or mental health c- uh, labels today. You haven't mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, depression, bipolar, or mm-hmm. it's it's that doesn't seem to be in in your vocabulary. Is that, no, is that it's right? Not. It's not. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's a uh, it's always a. A hassle when you're dealing with insurance companies because they're medic they're driven by the medical field and they want some kind of a diagnosis and I hate it because I do not think of people like that I do not think you can and in the diagnostic manual in the United States you know it'll say there's this kind of depression this kind of depression this kind of depression and then the last one will be not NOS it's called NOS not otherwise specified in other words <laughs> covers all, everything all the ways that people are different of course you know <laughs> so you deal with the not otherwise specified just, yes I do just, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you would do the same work re- regardless of what they're going through their loss they, it's all loss really of, of their yeah. self really exactly. is that what you would say exactly it's all loss it's of self all the same work dealing with the self and the parts yes Oh, that's so beautiful. So when is your book out? And, and tell us about... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Stay tuned. Yeah. All your inf- information is up on the website. And okay. um, and so people can, uh, listeners can access... Uh, do, is your training available to the public? Yes, it is. It? Yes, it is. Um, everything, uh, you can go on to Satir Global dot org website mm-hmm. and if you look on the menu it'll say education you scroll down and you can see satir coaching and mentoring training program and you can apply and then i talk with you and screen you know some people may need more um, satir based in uh, training first and we have two s- s- uh, self-study online programs, one called Satir Fundamentals and the other is from my book, The Satir Process, but they have a lot of videos with them to model it, you know, and, and there's other trainings we can refer people to, um, or if they've had a Satir base and they want to be helpful. Uh, one person has just been certified, dear man, who's a retired uh, CEO of a company who wanted to help kids in school and so he wanted this training to help him be more effective in relating to the kids and their parents and the teachers so how does the coaching differ from therapy Um, coaching does not go into depth in terms of attempting to heal severe trauma okay you know, you can technically say, well, coaching has to do, I mean, therapy has to do with diagnosing and treating. In the United States, that would be the, the definition. I mean, that's what my license to be a therapist is. Coaches do not have that license. But in reality, there's a lot of crossover, mm-hmm. you know. And 
I have not done therapy with any of the gang interventionists. It's all, but I've been coaching and group process, and it has been very therapeutic, and a lot of personal growth has taken place. So, right. you know. Yeah. It's a fine line by the it's sound of things. Line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's just leave the listeners with uh, a takeaway today, Sharon, of... of um, We've just got a few minutes. Uh, what can what can you give them? To just if you know, you can repeat yourself. What can they take away from this program today, um, in terms of being practical and how they can help themselves? Okay. Um, I would say that all their parts have a kernel of goodness. Hmm. Okay, and that there is a positive intention, even if the behavior doesn't look like it. The, the part is trying somehow to protect you. And so if you can begin to become aware of when that part that you don't like is popping up, and then begin to say, what's the positive intention here, and how can I manifest this differently? Mm. It can be very helpful. That's beautiful. So that, so that there's a there's a so see can see them differently. They can see these parts mm-hmm. in a different way mm-hmm. than just negative. But now they can say, "Oh, this was the this was the intention was there. Yes, it, it meant well. Yes, <laughs> it yes, was trying to help me. Right, I was. Yes, exactly. <laughs> However, it got too big, or it got yes. too loud, or yes, beautiful." Well, thank you so much, Sharon. And uh, hopefully, uh, can people uh, email you at sure. S, S, It's up on the website here okay, on sure. um, mm-hmm. Voice America, but I'll just give it to our listeners. Slotion at gmail.com. Is that correct? Yes. And the um, website. Lotion is, lotion is spelled L O E S C H E N, not like it sounds. Okay. And your the website you refer to is satirglobal.org. Dot org. Do you have your own website, Sharon? No, I don't. Okay. So satirglobal.org, if people want to get in touch with you about trainings mm-hmm. and just to personally uh, talk to you perhaps about sure. their own parts at uh, slotion, L-O-E-S-C-H-E-N mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Right. Sh- Sharon, thank you so much. It's thank been you. wonderful to have you today. And uh, uh, I hopefully for the listeners there, go away and and reflect on this and reflect on on the parts that they like and the parts that they <laughs> would like to transform and and mm-hmm. maybe get get all these parts hugging each other and there you go wouldn't that be beautiful <laughs> wouldn't that be beautiful We're changing changing the uh changing oh, yes. the world with uh, the, this work it's absolutely beautiful absolutely so let me uh, invite the listeners to check in next week, same time, Thursdays at 11 o'clock on the Empowerment Channel with myself, Dr. Madeline DeLittle. And we're talking uh, in each of the episodes about shedding light on our dark side and um, where words can't reach. So we look forward to you listening, listening in next week. And... Um, all the best to you and all your parts. Thanks Thank again. You. Thank Thanks. you. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now.
thank you for listening this week to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle. Please join us for another edition of the program next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. If you want to know more about how to work with children and adults to transform shame, depression, loss, and anxiety, order Dr. DeLittle's book, Where Words Can't Reach, Neuroscience and the Satire Model in the Sand Tray. The book is available online from Dr. DeLittle's website, wherewordscannotreach.com. Dr. DeLittle also conducts workshops and can come to your workplace or organization. If you wish to have Dr. DeLittle come and do a two-day workshop on an introduction to neuroscience and satire in the sand tray, please contact her at mdelittle at gmail.com.